0: And welcome to Thermal Talk, Thermal Tech Australia's flagship podcast. On today's podcast, you've got me, Sarah, and you've also got Keely again. Hello. Back for a double feature. Double feature. Um, today, we're also joined by someone a little bit different than our, our sort of usual guests. Uh, we're very excited to uh, please welcome Laura Crawford, who is a lecturer in games and interactivity at Swinburne University at
1: Melbourne. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne. Melbourne. It's great. Melbourne. great. <laughs> Hello.
0: Oh, I you do welcome. love when uh, I, I'm sure you probably have to deal with it a little bit that when you get international students, especially Americans, who are like Melbourne and you're like, mm,
2: no, it's, it's Melbourne. It's not that. It's not Melbourne, Florida. Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they
0: they always yeah. say all the letters. Oh,
3: yeah. And it's Melbourne. D- no, no. Just change born to been. And be good.
2: <laughs> it's true. That yeah. is very true. And sometimes the O U to an A, Melbourne.
0: Melbourne. Yeah. Yes, yeah. true. Yeah. We just as Australians don't like saying don't like saying every letter. No. If we don't have to. No. no. <laughs> cut it out.
2: True. Too many words in the alphabet. It's a very uh, efficient approach to language. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're like yeah. we don't have time for it. Just cut it out. Uh, we don't need exactly.
2: it. you <laughs> are very busy people. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That's it. That's us. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Oh, no, I just said amazing. Amazing. Looking to you to lead to the next. Yeah,
0: I was just going to say, like, hey, welcome. How how are you doing? Happy Wednesday.
2: Happy Wednesday to you. Happy Wednesday. (laughs) i (laughs) serious, (laughs) Mike Envy. Oh,
0: yes. Thank you. These are courtesy of our lovely friends at Shaw microphones. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. Mm,
2: mm, mm. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, but, yeah. gamer chairs there as well.
0: Oh, what was that?
2: We've got lovely gamer chairs there also. We do.
0: These are our Argentine 700 them gaming cake. chairs. <laughs> so, uh, get
3: on, people on the
0: podcast. I need to give
2: you a lead in. Yes, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> not, pre- not pre-planned not at all. Right.
2: <laughs> Um, I'm not affiliated with either brand.
0: Yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you for joining us, though. I hope you're feeling uh, okay. We were going to do this last week, but you you had some dental work. You poor thing. It's how good, is how are you going? Is your mouth back to normal? <laughs> much
2: better, much good. better, very much better. dental um, needs to be taken care of. Yes, uh, I, I speak for a living. Yes, yes, yeah. uh, yeah, oh, really. Uh, you know, so so what happened was I had you toothbrush i enthusiastically brushed my teeth and uh the gum a little bit Ooh. uh yeah and um and because i speak for a living these things don't tend to heal as, as easily because i right. talk about it. so it's uh yeah i just had to get a little treatment done which was good, was yeah. A bit of a good yeah. yeah
1: yeah i mean yeah. yeah
0: you only get what what technically i guess one new set of teeth in your yeah. life yeah. I kind of feel like the baby teeth to adult teeth ratio is off Like, it would be cool if we could keep our baby teeth for slightly longer You know, like maybe in our 20s And then we lose them and then we get a new set We would know? look
3: very strange with such yeah. small teeth I don't though.
2: know, I just <laughs> feel Your head will have grown Yeah, it'd look quite <laughs> scary and An x-ray of um, kids before their Yeah, yeah Come in yeah,
0: and you just see it's them amazing. just like chilling. <laughs>
2: oh. It's weird. It's children are adorable, but uh, I x of them with their paper. Not mm. so much.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah, well excellent. I'm glad you your your uh, your 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 mouth's feeling better. So yes. we can we can have a
3: chat today. It worked out well. Yes. Uh- <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, Do we want to hop into questions? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. All right. So first up. We always like to like ever like to like. We always like to ask everyone when they come on the podcast is what got you into like tech and gaming?
2: Um, so what got me in personally was being I was about eight and uh, I got my first machine. actually myself and my brother did it was a gift from my grandmother, which was and this is going to take me here. <laughs> A sixty four. Oh brand. Thank <laughs> <Heck> you. <yeah. laughs> but um yeah, so that, that's gonna date me and it still is one of my favorite machines actually, yep. to be honest. I still miss it. And it's partly nostalgia. Um for some of the excellent games that I play. As well. mm. <sighs> Um, but you know, uh Impossible Mission Two is probably still my favorite game of all time.
1: Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, it
2: was just it, it was fantastic because the chip in the Combo sixty four, the sound chip was incredible. Yeah. And they really took full advantage of that. And there was the Impossible Mission Two, there was um you know, kind of like character modelling that had not been really done in that way before. Um, and it was just it was a fantastic game. There was a lot of really, really good ones on there, Double Dragon and everything like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just i really fell in love with it. But it was with really Impossible Mission 2 that I really had this kind of moment. I remember being, I was about 10, and I had this moment of realising what a huge medium this, this had the potential to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I wasn't just enjoying it for that, and I kind of had this realisation then. Um, Then I got my first microscope at age 12, and that kind of changed my career career a bit, and then there was lots of other careers after that until I got into academia. Um, But in terms of being here in a professional way, uh, that's a long story too. (laughs) 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 I started out in psychology um, studies. And I was teaching uh, third years and master's students um, a lot of like very heavy cultural studies theory at the time, uh, which I enjoyed immensely. You know, lots of like intellectual salon type yeah. stuff, like communication theory, that sort of stuff, and like, you know, waking the psychology into it. But um, I started my PhD on attraction to screen violence. Ooh. And uh, I was looking primarily at film, attraction yep. to film and attraction to uh, violent video games. And I was like, well, if I'm gonna write on gaming, you know, I was a gamer myself, but if I'm gonna ride on you know, professionally, then I'd best start like hanging out with, you know, uh, people who, who do this for a living. So I started going to um, the uh, sort of meetups that we have in Portland for game developers and like really enjoyed the community and started getting really involved with them. Uh, and uh, then a job came up um, for, uh, you know, part-time level A, as contract, uh, that um, was, you know, initially supposed to be in the, the School of Media and Comms, so it was in games. And I started teaching like into games at that point. Like, so they started I, as a sessional well, while I was doing my PhD teaching into games, and I got the job. Mm. And uh, so ended up becoming a, a tenured lecturer in uh, game design.
0: Wow. wow, that's such a cool like journey to go on in from psychology. To, to, to games and media because, I mean, mm. I had a friend who studied psychology while I was at uni doing, um, I guess, the equivalent of media, like creative arts, and just polar opposite sides of the school, just like mm. had nothing to do with each other, um, just, yeah, very much like science, humanities, bye. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. jump is so <laughs> interesting.
2: I'm reliving my PhD for like <laughs> because a lot of people at the time were like, you know, polar opposites and asking me, You know, 10 years ago, what does psychology have to do with games? And now that's my specialty. Yeah. It's between health science and technology. But what I teach is with a very specific bent towards psychology. So in the third years, I run a psychology of game design unit, like Mm. an entire subject. And as far as I'm aware, it's the only one that's dedicated to psychology in a games degree still in Australia, if not
3: not
2: any other type like it still. Mm. Um, because, you know, and I asked my students this the other day, I was like, what do we, you know, this is my first year, because my first year I'm done to introduce them to psychological concepts, so they're just not hit with it, with that stone, because many of them haven't done psychology before. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I asked them, you know, what do we, and I asked the same question, actually, what, what do we play games with? How do, we, how do people engage with games? What's the main things that we use?
0: Our brain.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: You know, <laughs> <the> H yeah. D. class. <laughs> Congratulations, we <laughs> passed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you may now do the other unit. Yeah. But um <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that that's primarily it. You know, mm. uh we use obviously hands. You, yes. know, you know, eyes and bodies, but primarily hands. Mm-hmm. But eighty percent of it is our minds. Yeah. Mm and uh so therefore the link between the two which has become much more popular in the last 10 years since i yeah. started doing this you know thank goodness yeah. island for a while there <laughs> um you know um we really do yeah we, we use our minds a lot in this in this medium and um and it's really important to understand not only the way in which players interact but really the way in which designers interact with it as well and developers interact with it too
3: absolutely yeah
0: mm, yeah for sure for sure that's so interesting. I, I, I love that. Um, so, okay, so I guess for me, uh, you've kind of answered it a little bit, but um, you said, you know, games are something that you, you've always enjoyed and has been, you know, a passion of yours. So when you hear about someone loving games and growing up with games, I feel like a 90% of oh I'm making that static, like that stat up, but a lot of the time they then go. I don't know that. Yeah, I just had that in the back of my mind. Um, a lot of time that people tend to go towards being a game developer. They want to learn how to code or they want to learn how to be, you know, create assets or art or voice acting or whatever. Um, what was it that led you down more of the academic uh, route? Like, did you ever think, oh, maybe I should, be a game developer was that ever a thought in your mind or are you just not nah, not for me <laughs> no
2: i never wanted to make them like i never had i mean i do now i have a great desire to make them and i love the idea of making them mm-hmm. uh but it was never a career trajectory for me in fact if anything when i went back i thought about so i, I went back to university when i was quite like a bit older so i'd done yep. an undergrad first of all in politics philosophy when i was about 19. Ooh. <laughs> very idealistic yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then after that had you know a couple of different careers yeah um one of which was in electronic prototyping mm-hmm. so i was already like in tech at that point mm-hmm. and i gaming a long time um and uh yeah and then i and then i did my undergrad in psychology and i wanted to go back and do my masters and practice but i did think about filmmaking because i was very okay. interested in being a filmmaker mm-hmm. Uh, and I sincerely considered that, and I was like, no, I want to practice. Go back and do masters in psych, and uh, that's when I went back to university for the third time. And, <laughs> and I realised that I didn't want to leave. And I also, for that reason, um, had realised as well that you know this for someone who has uh, who's intellectually curious is the perfect place to be because they yeah. really do everything board right absolutely, <laughs> Which absolutely. An board, as you, any academic will tell you yeah. um but it's incredibly intellectually enriching place you know my right? yeah. Co- yeah. people and um you know you you really do you are a village and you get this contact with everyone um and uh yeah so when i went back there and i started teaching um, game development students and I was mostly, you know, and I still am teaching them like you know, lots of high theory and I started getting into the practice-based stuff. That's when I really developed an interest in making them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and But for me, it mostly is I really have, I, I teach a second year, I'm sorry, a first year, second semester, tabletop. Um, oh. um, and um, teaching them how to make tabletop games because you've yeah. got, long story short, you need to strip away all the implicit information that digital games have given. Yeah. Mm. You know, there's a lot mm. of layers there, but games do not reveal them. A good game doesn't reveal them. So tabletop gaming is, we can talk about, later. if you like a really good way to do that. Mm. Um, but um, they're the what have the main interest in making, definitely, yep. by yep. name kind of like fascinating mm. because you know, that, that very immediate kind of, you know, social relationship that develops yeah. there. People interact with it. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, and I guess with something like a tabletop game, it's like it's kind of like there's almost slightly more pressure because once it's out, it's, you can't go patch it. You know what I mean? You can't just yeah. like go, hey, sorry, um, we've just come to your door. We've realised that we've missed a few things. We're just going to add them to your box. <laughs> like you can't really do that with a tabletop. It has to be ready to go, when it, you know, when it's when you're done with it, you know.
2: Very truly, actually just with my mind because what I will say to my students is, is that like, you know, there's so much you have to do with a tabletop game um, and 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 also rely on mm-hmm. your your players, you know, doing the right thing. But yeah. by the token, you know, there's still a lot, which I'm actually currently teaching them of information you can put into one, which will not only show people how to, to play it, you know, through the relationship of aesthetics to mechanics and just to, to uh, narrative, things like that. But also entice them to do so. And I'm I say to them, I was like, because you can't be there every yep. time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you are, you'd probably get arrested.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just outside the window, like, oh,
2: move exactly. that piece over there. You be breathing in the kitchen window. You're you should blessed, have moved right. it there. You should swap
3: those two pieces yeah, yeah. around. No, exactly. Where is
2: You shouldn't have made that move. <laughs> That's so true, though. Absolutely. You yeah. can't be there. And um, actually, some of the, the best artists to get for tabletop for games, and I say this to um, to them if they want to get into gaming, are graphic design students.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. Because they're so well trained at, like, giving direction through mm. visual communication.
0: Mm. Absolutely.
2: So, like, your, your perfect team should have both a games artist and a graphic designer. Right? Yep. Yeah. For sure. That's fair. That's, That's so fair.
3: cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah. My next question was kind of already answers as, as well. It was, <laughs> like, how did you get started in game academia? Was that always the plan? And did you, how did you find yourself there? Which again, yeah, no, pretty well, much.
0: <laughs> I, I find I find it quite interesting. So, because for me, so like my partner right now, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna out him again on this podcast for like the fiftieth time. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's just turned thirty, and he's very much caught up in this headspace of like. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know what to do and he's kind of paralyzed by the fact that he doesn't know what to do with his life and with mm. his career. And I think he's almost scared to try something in case it's not the right thing. So he's kind of stuck. But I love how with you, you did a whole bunch of different things. And you were saying in between your degrees, you were doing different jobs and you know, you've ended up where you're happy, but, you know, that journey, if you didn't have that, you may never have ended up where you've ended up. So, you know, I love that you've been on this adventure of, like, different, you know, careers and different degrees.
2: I I think I was 32 before I even began getting into academia. Yeah. I was three years old. And, um, and again, it was with a completely different intent. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's opportunities, create opportunities, but opportunity is opportunity plus a lot of very hard work. Of course, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, but yeah, you do, it's, it's, important to take those risks. You know, some people know what they want to do, uh, from a very young age. A lot of my friends in medicine for them, that's the case. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just I think it's really important to, to persist and to take risks. I took a huge uh, pay cut. I was in HR at the time, actually. Oh, wow. Into doing my PhD. So I was on a, a very good scholarship. I was very lucky. I uh, was on an APA, Australian Postgraduate Awards, which Ooh. is kind of a, a rare scholarship yeah. to get. I made the one, but, and I was teaching, but it still took a huge pay cut. From yeah, me. absolutely. In order to do that. Uh, but it was worthwhile. You know, and, um, you know, it's, it's different. I didn't have, you know, children at the time, or stepchildren at the time, so I didn't need to really, you know, worry about that. Yeah. Uh, but, because that obviously is a big consideration, but um, yeah, I, I think taking those risks is important. So if, if I may say to your partner, yes. <laughs> um, I, question that I ask friends who are going through career transitions and a lot of the 20 something people I teach, which is about anywhere between 150 and 300 a semester um if you run 20 million dollars tomorrow right because that's now the
1: yes
0: right <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the amount you
2: need um, mm-hmm. to make this a reality and i did everything you wanted with it we still had to have a career and an education what would you do and it's often the first thing that comes into your head that is the yep. thing that is really driving you mm. so- you
0: go, that's good yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's yeah, that, that is good advice. I, I, I think
2: that's a good question to, to ask themselves, and it's good. It sounds like it sounds like your partner is, is ready to make the next move. we oh, hey. he can
0: only hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he does listen to these too, so you know, hopefully, this conversation inspires him. <laughs> Don't
2: be happy to have a chat,
0: yes. I'll oh, thank <laughs> you. I'll let him know. <laughs> uh, so all right, so um. I want to talk about something that I really, really enjoy talking about and bringing a bit of awareness to. And I think you have such a unique perspective that I really want to hear your thoughts on this. So while it has been getting better, I would say, over the last five to ten years, uh, I do think gaming and the world of games is still a bit of a boys club, Mm. um, unfortunately. And I wanted to hear about your experience first, educating people on games um, like the, the main reason why this is a really, the, I used to work at EB games and one of my just favorite interactions is when a, a dude will come in and, you know, and look at me and just automatically assume that I had no idea what I was talking about. I couldn't possibly recommend him a game. I, I, I actually, I think I've told the story on the podcast before. But one of my favorite, like, um, a moments to someone was I was trying to buy an Xbox 360 at JB Hi-Fi one time and I had to buy it because there was a problem with the art console had a problem but it wasn't with like this it was with the console itself so I just needed a new system I didn't need Mm. like the fancy stuff because I had that stuff at home i was just going to take it out and replace it and I just went to this dude and was like hey I need a new system I'm just going to grab this one it's like the smallest it has like the tiny amount of storage on it and he looked at me like I was so dumb and was like, now look, with oh. the storage on that one, you're not going to be able to put much on it, so whoever you're buying it for might not be able. <laughs> and I just turned around and went, actually I have, uh, you know, 32 gigabytes of storage at home. I'm actually just going to replace them. Um, I've already taken it out and I've taken my old console apart and I'm putting it into the new one, so I just need a new actual just base. And he just looked at me like I just – like he was just like – Oh, okay, yeah. And he just yeah, he got it for me straight away. And it was just like just this moment of like, Yeah, see you assumed I didn't know, but I knew. <laughs> Screw um, you. Yeah, yeah. So shout Thank out to you. that I guy. A
2: word. Yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shout
0: out to that JV Hi Fi guy. Um I've never forgotten you, that's for sure. Um so oh. yeah, so <laughs> so I wanted to hear your experience in in that, in that you know, in, in this academia of teaching, and I'm mm. sure you're probably finding the classes are probably, I mean, I'd like to hope 50-50 in terms of split, but I'm not really sure what that would be. But, yeah, I just wanted to hear about your experiences in that regard.
2: There's lots to there say on this topic. Um, yes,
0: excellent.
1: So- Love
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, first of all, like, if you were, so in our classes, definitely it's gotten better, yep. right? So when I first started it was maybe 10 to if we got 15%, um, you know, um, male presenting, um, you know, um, or male identifying, you know, um, it was quite miraculous, you know. So in terms of, you know, obviously we talk about gender and sexuality on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So now we have many more representatives of, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. In our classes and jugged uh, and, and uh, female and female identifying people in our classes yeah. and that's at about like now I'd say I'm a we're a good like 20 to 30 percent maybe okay. and so okay. that, that actually is a vast improvement mm. um, in terms of that. but the, the thing is um, by the time I think uh, people who are disenfranchised from uh, a career, in stem get to university or university age it's already too late to a certain extent yeah You yeah. right. need to be talking to people not just in high school actually but also in primary school mm. right because it's we get this very similar thing that used to happen you know in the in the, the 60s and 70s which was you know a, a, you know a girl will go up to the parents and say i want to be a doctor and they'll be like that's okay you can be a nurse Yes. yes. Nowadays we have something, you know, I, I still think it carries on where, you know, like uh, like um, female identifying students will, will say, I want to be a game developer. People will be like, that's okay, you can be an OT, you know. Mm. And, and, then, you know, and it's so, so I still think we have have that issue, even though yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of support out there in the community and everything, and I personally am and have been for quite a while a public advocate yep. for uh, women in STEM. Um, it's very, very important to do. Mm. When Game get happened, it's almost all I spoke about in one of my <laughs> yeah. press. I mean, like this is my first podcast, but I've done a lot of press before. Mm. And for about two years there, every time I got interviewed, I'd never get to talk about my work because it was always straight to what's it like being a woman in games. Right. Um, and at the time, I was so bad. Yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, But I must admit, probably I was uh, brief about added me to the SJW block list, my social media. Yep. That's and, uh, yep. quite probably the proudest moment of my career. <laughs> <laughs> was definitely the proudest moment of my career. Yeah. <laughs> um, I knew I was doing something right then.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Yep. So having said that, you know, I've said to, so I work with uh, two other colleagues who are both brilliant at what they do. Mm-hmm. So very happy to work with them, uh, both male, And um, I've said to them before, you know, uh, isn't it odd that, you know, you kind of, you know, when you first meet a class, whether it's, you know, usually it's your first years, but it can be across different, you know, years. But sometimes, usually if it's second or third year, we know them by then. I teach a lot of first yeah. year as well. Uh, but, you know, you have to really kind of introduce yourself yeah. and give them your qualifications. And I'm one of the industry liaison for a group. I know lots, lots of, I know the people that have been leads on the games they play, you know, things like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and all the kind of the different awards and that kind of stuff. And I don't go through all of it, but I feel like I have to do that. And uh, they just send around and went, no, we never have to do that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they
2: have immediate authority in mm-hmm. that room. And while it's gotten better for me, it still is not quite there. Mm-hmm. No, it's from my personal experience, you know? Um, but, you know, I, I try, I, I try not to hide anything from my students in that way, you know, and it for them. But I also try to very much to encourage them, um, you know, to either um, feel confident in their decision to go into this, if they're female identifying, you know, or, you know, binary or, you know, anywhere on that spectrum. Um, and if they are very, like, hardcore cisgender male, mm-hmm. to be better you know yep. and to be mm. but i must admit like you know the new gen the new generation's are pretty great like that yep yeah better but we still have work to do
3: absolutely yeah,
0: yeah. i do absolutely understand what you mean about how you feel that need to uh, almost justify your presence yes. there yeah. Um. You know, it's like that. There was a bit of a meme, even though it was painfully true, going around that was like, "Oh, you like Mario? Name every single Mario character." Yeah, ever and, that's it, and that's what it did, and that's what it does feel like as a as yeah. a female <laughs> presenting person
3: in, in gaming. In, it's in like, anything, almost. In you know, ed- you yeah, see true. people have the same thing. There was a trend on TikTok where people were walking around like, "Oh, you're wearing a band T-shirt? Name five yeah. songs from that band." It's like, bro, shut up! Just wearing Lego. a band T-shirt. Like,
2: go likes. away. <laughs> the best thing about that is when like you know they come up no someone will be like i'm in that band <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, like, that happened on social media so many times before yeah. mm. uh, especially again as like cisgender female i'm like mm. quite hyper feminine as well mm, yeah so I, I never would like i'm all skirts dresses like and i love being very feminine mm. but I can count against you like yeah. you know in in tech um and I've had people just like call me out and just like ask, I've made some kind of, you know, just a brief comment on, you know, screen violence relationship between like violence, and gaming, or psychology and attraction to others. And people just say, well, what would you know about that? And I'm just like, I'm just scary. scary. Yeah. We <laughs> oh, got his way through I'm a PhD. You yeah.
3: Know? Yeah. It makes my skin crawl, those kind of questions, you know, and I still get, like, it's a lot better now, but, like, with your EB example, mm-hmm. there have been so many times where I've gone in to buy a game and they'll be like, oh, are you buying this for someone else? Yeah. And it's like, no, no. it's for me. And sometimes they're like, oh, okay. And then other times you see their face change and they almost get excited that, yeah. like, a woman is buying this cool game. They're like, yeah. oh, awesome, like, there's a great game. i played it, like, blah, blah, blah. And, right. like, that's fantastic and it's just, like, hopefully one day we'll get to the point where it's like, I've played this game, it's great, not are you buying this for someone else before yeah. I talk to you
2: about it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's a step forward almost that, that there's excitement there, but they shouldn't mm. have to be. Exactly. Yep. You no, know, they, they really shouldn't have to be and that's kind of, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it, it's yeah, also as well, like, it's very um, in terms of when we're making games, you know, it's very limiting not to have that diversity in the studio. Absolutely.
0: Yes. You know?
2: extremely extremely uh limiting not to have that diversity in the studio and it is getting it's getting so much better like a lot of the the you know the leaders i know in tech are a very you know strong and credible but they've had to work so so much harder to get there Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: um and um you know every year it's getting better every year games is getting larger you know but um but we still do have a lot of work to do to get there so anyways listening i highly recommend talking to um to minorities in, in games yep. when they're very, very young. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, they've, they, they've received the message that they shouldn't be doing it at a at a much younger age than we think.
3: Mm.
2: You know, it's, it's young girls that need encouragement, not teenagers.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, they do too. Yeah. Mm.
0: yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like no one is – born prejudice like it's it's a learnt yes thing like you don't just come out of the womb like gosh i hate women like it's something yeah. that you
2: know, it's, yeah, exactly, you know exactly of course i've got exactly that it's, it's not that like we need to be teaching um you know and it shouldn't be that we need to be teaching those in the minorities you know to defend themselves it should no, be that exactly. we're teaching the people who are bullying them to you know be better yes right yeah. um but we'll get there yeah. I and mean, you've made many, many strides. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: For yeah. sure. Yeah. With teaching them early, Um, I did actually, I, I saw this one comic that was fantastic. It was just like a short four-pound comic. Mm. And, um, you know, it was a guy turning to his daughter and he's like, you know, we're going to go to the doctor. And she's like, doctor. And in her head, it's like a thought bubble. And it was a doctor and it was a male. And then he mm-hmm. took her into the practice and it was a woman. And she's like, doctor and now when she thinks of a doctor she thinks of a woman and it's that whole thing like you know when you when you when your kids are young if you can take them your daughter to a female doctor or even any kids if you can take yeah. your kids to a female doctor to say hey doctors aren't just boys and all that kind of stuff like yeah
2: it's yeah, so really right. great framing
3: yeah that's wonderful that, mm. that is wonderful
2: little mm. comic and uh, yeah i like that a lot and you are tell her right. i mean like look at what ray did for star wars mm.
3: yeah absolutely
2: so many, like, on top of that, so many adorable little costumes. Usually, these so <laughs> <yeah. laughs> yeah. little girls in like little Ray outfits. It's yeah. So cute. Well, like pretty, pretty, but then all these, all these kind of all these little girls started dressing as different Star Wars characters, and that was just so. You know, don't get me started on the last five minutes of the last film, but <laughs> 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 oh, like maybe yeah. your Palpatine heritage, Ray. Yes. Oh, right? <laughs> oh. Oh, or really? like for it's me, a real opportunity to explore that whole like light side, dark yeah. side. Or like I'm for me,
0: for me you personally, know? I kind of I wish Ray just said I'm I'm Ray, just Ray, because her whole yeah. story is about she feels like she's something else, but she discovers that she's okay to just be her, mm. and I like yep. that too, just being
1: you No,
2: <laughs> I, I agree with you entirely. You know, she could not understand that, but yeah. you know, and, and just say I'm Ray, and that would have been a whole new kind of spin-off. Oh. Also, the series itself is about, you know, and it's not, I don't think it's represented a lot, but mm. not really discussed enough, I think, about that Um, kind of the fine line between light and dark in each being.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? And I think had she claimed her Palpatine heritage at the end, because, I mean, that was yeah. the whole story with Kylo as well, right? Mm, the Kylo right? was light but had gone to the dark. Mm. And I think it could have started a whole new series. Yeah films, if she just turned around and gone, I'm Ray Palpatine.
3: Yep, absolutely. Embrace Yeah, she is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But anyway, but that's that's a storyline thing, not a her thing, and I'm very, very, very very, very Yeah,
0: and I think you can absolutely look at a character and what that character has done Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: still not particularly like the character, but you can still be like, she has done so much for that. As a kid, I loved Star Wars, right? Like Mm. I was, but I kept it secret. It's yeah. like I that that was that's a oh that's Good. not a girl thing, um, uh, so I never told anyone. And the right. fact that I now see yeah exactly that you see little you know little kids dressing up as Ray and you're like, heck yeah! Yes. I never had yeah. that and yeah. I love that you get that you know absolutely. And that's why it's so important.
2: She's fantastic to me. It just was only like those last that that particular scene that was it. You yeah, know, yeah. That, the, was like, yeah. that was the issue. and that was a scripting thing. But she's like she's been amazing. Yeah. For- the franchise and that character was, like, was wonderful, and mm. you know, it's just it's, it's a great, yeah, it's a great series.
3: Yeah, I always and, loved Padme, but Padme was always quite like, oh, I just wanted to be like, a bit weak to bit weak. go off. That's all I ever yep. wanted for her, <laughs> and so it was very much like women can be strong, but also like quiet and can die from being sad. So.
0: Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'm
2: still upset about that. I'm <laughs> like, can you
1: break my clothes? You not sad. Oh, yeah. my God.
2: Like, uh, no. yeah, I, I wanted it to do something with that hair. <laughs> <It's just laughs> I wanted it to be, you know, <laughs> a weapon. Yeah, it, it looked like a sing. weapon. It, it,
1: did, it did, it did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so heavy. My favourites were always on the dark side. I always found the light side to be a bit insipid.
1: That, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So, so, like,
2: so Jabba Hutt. Oh, yeah. Oh. And, um, and Grievous. Grievous is my other favourite. Ah, yes.
3: Yes, he's sick. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, well, I'll get onto um, my favourite topic, uh, where Sarah's like misogyny. Here's my one.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking just excellent. So, <laughs> I mean, I think you know by now that taboo is definitely my thing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so, we'll get more into discussing your academic work. You've done a lot around the classification system, which is one of my favourite topics. I bring, I swear, I bring it up every time I can. Uh, I probably talk about it too much, but. Uh, what drove your interest in the classification system and the issues within it?
2: Um, so my work, you know. So I was looking at attraction to screen violence, mm-hmm. and um, all right, I'm going to have to rewind a little bit here. Is that okay?
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, okay. So, um, so the reason that I started doing work research into attraction to screen violence is because I realised that we don't have a baseline for it, right? We don't have real acceptance of it like we do for sexuality. Right. So with sexuality, that's a drive. I'm very much, I should let you know here that um, my theory, a lot of it is in the psychodynamic school and I'm Freudian. So <laughs> a lot of drive, lots of desires. Lots of, you know, and I do believe in our evolutionary psychology, you know, in terms of, you know, that we are still kind of, you know, based creatures in many ways that are mm. attached to some of our desires. And I think if we don't accept that and we can't really, you know, evolve. To yep. a um, you know, and that goes for, you know, everyone across every type of spectrum. Yeah. Um, but our like so our attraction to screen violence, I thought, was really important to establish because of the fact that every time, particularly at that time about ten years ago, a mass shooting would happen. In particular, in the US, but sometimes in Europe, sometimes in Australia, screen violence was always blamed for it. Right, the yes. yeah, interaction with screen violence was blamed for it, and that's highly problematic because it first of all it covers up all sorts of societal issues that really need to be dealt with right? It's, it, it's a lot easier to blame for being violence than overhaul your mental health system to include adolescents,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? because that costs billions. Um, but it's also, it's, it's a weapon, right? It's a very emotive topic. So it's not just um, a cover-up, it's also very profitable. There are various groups that profit from that kind of emotion. Um, you know, in politicians, parents groups, that kind of thing. People want to get things done and scare people, but it keeps happening. And it keeps happening not because they're playing violent video games or uh, watching violent films. I mean, yeah, one would expect that if someone were, were if, you know, driven to commit a violent act, that they probably would want to practise first, right? Or they probably would be drawn to kind of, you know, screen violence first, and then, you know, would go on to you know, the, these things escalate without going into psychology, but like these things tend to escalate, right? That, that is not, that is 0.1% of people who engage with this stuff. Yeah. So we can't use it as an excuse. Yeah. Um, and so what I really want and I still want to do, and it is a lifetime of work, <laughs> is uh, in my work I came up with a model of attraction to screen violence that encompasses various things um, to set this baseline. And um, because I was doing that... Um, I was being introduced to various people in various industries, in the film industry and in the, you know, in the games industry. And um, they kind of, they wanted to get me on board to talk about censorship and the fact that, you know, while we're censoring these things, we're not looking at the root cause of a lot of those societal issues. Yeah. that's how I got into it. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. I, yeah. Wow. That was,
0: that was so interesting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just really enjoying <laughs> listening to you. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I can see why you're a lecturer." <laughs> I was like, "Tell me more."
1: <laughs> Today's
0: episode of Thermal Talk is brought to you by Thermal Take Gaming Systems. Did you know that we design and build our very own gaming systems? Well, now you do. Built right here in Melbourne, Australia by our very own Nick, TT Gaming Systems have a PC for every type of gamer. Head over to the website to check out their extensive range of systems by using our link to support us at bit.ly forward slash ttgamingtalk. That's bit.ly forward slash ttgamingtalk. Yeah. No, I I completely get that. And I think with with games, you know, I think the the sort of I guess the attacks have really lately, especially in Australia, I think as well, especially but in America a lot too, have really gone to, to games. Yeah. And I think a lot of the arguments I hear or I see and read about is because you are an active participant in the games, you're going to want to go do these atrocious acts more than if you are more passive by watching. Do you think there's any credibility to that at all?
2: Not at all. Um, in fact, so one of my one of the theories that I came up with in, in my work, or that you know I, I discuss in my work, uh, or have discussed early on, is the notion that um, attraction to screen violence and particularly participating in, mm. uh, in interactive screen violence is often seen as being sadistic. Mm, right? yeah. But actually, I don't think it is. I think it's more masochistic than sadistic, which means mm. so so yeah. That's that's is the angle, I guess, like I'm going for in the research is that um, I guess I am. <laughs> very casual. Chat. Um, is, is that, yeah, it's, it's more of a, a masochistic bent to it. Um, I think that we are in certain societies as well. And we've always got to um, be very clear when we're talking about these things that we're only talking about you know certain countries that have like the wealth to be able to like engage in these activities and also yeah. as well you know not in the middle of a war themselves yeah. where things are happening to them but in those in those countries um you know uh we've been sanitized from the things that we used to be very exposed to right mm-hmm. Thing, you know like death and you know public hangings and events and things like that and it's not necessarily that people would enjoy them but it, it's a part of life right so Freud has a theory that um we live our entire lives with you know fighting between um eros which is the will to live and Thanatos, which is the will to die right and so like we're always caught between those two things and if you look at like sexuality on-screen sexuality on-screen violence you know it's kind of it's us exploring these kind of these issues and so we're, we're, while we're sanitized from that uh something like you know, let's say a first-person shooter can make us feel alive. Mm. It can make us feel alive. And so if you look at people who've played the no Russian level in Call of Duty, right, um, Modern Warfare, um, three? Two. Two. two yeah, I, know, right. I know, I know, I know the exact. Lectures, and I call it free every time. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. You try to get in advance for my third year. next year. This will happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so the no and the no Russian level. Would you like me to explain it a little bit for for listeners? I
0: think yeah. a lot of listeners will, but yeah, I, I don't think you know. I don't know. Is. Yeah, no. so yeah,
2: absolutely go for, for it. it. Um, so it's a level in uh, World War Two. <laughs> 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 so remember, that I said that um, in which. Uh, You basically see, what happens is you pay, this is when we allow designers to write games instead of getting professional writers in. But (laughs) some designers (laughs) are in great games, but Mm -hmm. professional tend to do a better job. Anyway, so uh, the idea is that you're playing an undercover, you're you're American and you're undercover with a uh, Russian gang and uh, you're trying to infiltrate them to see, you know, what they're doing, you know, to undermine the US. And uh, they say that they want to go into an airport mall, I think it's both, is it? It's
0: just, it's just yeah. a very big airport that has like a big yeah. section of it. That's just the mall of people are walking around,
1: sitting, yeah. eating food. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And they, they want to go in there and they want to shoot the place up, all right? So like people are not, no one else is armed except for you and your gang. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can now actually opt out of it, but I don't think you could then. But your options back then were either to, they, it's, it's called no Russian because they don't want you to speak Russian. Because if you speak Russian, then I know it's Russians opening up fire on Russia and they want to blame the US to start an international incident. Anyway, so um, you're told not to speak Russian. You go in and your choices either are to move through the level and not shoot. Now you can skip level entirely or move through the level and shoot, right? But what you're doing is you're shooting people or, you know, video game characters, NPCs that don't have weapons. Mm. So it's pretty horrific. It's still very horrific. Yeah. Everything to see, but. People report not enjoying it anywhere near as much as the rest of the game. Consistent. Yep. Because you're not in danger.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and oh, my God. We so about that,
2: but I kind of realised that the reason that we tend to engage with screen violence, I think, is to put ourselves in danger, not other people.
0: Oh, my God. That's okay. so true. Because hmm. I, I know the exact level. I played the Modern Warfare series maybe like about 10 years ago. I really like it. It's actually one of my favourite uh, game series is it has a great story, um, in my opinion, actually. But um, that level is interesting because I remember I had no idea about it. So it starts off you're literally in an elevator. There's not really a lot of information about what's going on. The door, the, the you know the 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 main bad guy Makarov just turns back to you and says, "And remember, no Russian." The doors open. You you just see in your gang with you. You all have big weapons. Yeah, doors open. You step out and you realize oh my God, I'm in the middle of an airport and then they just start shooting and that's it. There's no real prep. There's no real, nothing tells you what to do. You Mm. are just thrown into this. And I just remember being like, what? And I think I did... Like, I didn't, first I thought it was all a cutscene. And mm. I was like, oh, well, I have to move. And then I remember I was like, Yeah, and I was like, wait, do they want me to shoot people? And I and I do remember like trying to shoot someone. I was like, oh my God, like I just shot a person. Like, and it's weird because I've, this, this isn't like the first level, it's like yeah. the third level. I've shot a lot of people prior <laughs> to this, but all of a sudden it's like, my act- hands are not clean. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> like my hands are not clean in this game, but it's like, it is it, – it's such a different experience going through that level and you're absolutely right. It, it's that fact that you aren't in danger. You are the aggressor, mm. solely the aggressor. There's no – You ev-
3: are 100% the bad guy. There is no are, grey area. You yeah. are the villain. Yeah,
0: and it's also – it does have a bit of a, I guess um, – because I don't know, I'm, I'm a weird person in that when I play a game, I like to really role play it. Like I'm a writer. So when I'm playing a game, like I try and pretend to be that person and I'm like, mm. okay, how would this guy act? And I was like, I don't know. Because if I was in this position, it's like if I, if I just walk through and don't shoot anyone – are they, they're going to know, like, then I'm going to die. Like what? And it was just this really, so I think I every time I've played it, I've just walked through because I know it doesn't actually matter if you shoot them or not, they still find out. But it's like, it was. it was this weird internal mm. moment of like, oh my God, like, because if I don't do it, if I'm pretending to be this man, I'm going to die. So it is, it's, and it is such an interesting level um, for that purpose. Um, and I do find it it's almost a shame that people reduce it to, oh, this level's terrible because you kill a bunch of people. It's like, well, I kill a bunch of people all the time in video games. But this one particularly does really, yeah, it, it gets in your head, I feel. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They, they, and also as well, like for its time, it was really well made. So the sound and everything's quite yeah. disturbed. Yeah. Well, what would be interesting to me is I would have expected people to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I wouldn't have expected them to be bored. Right. And a lot of people who on repeat are bored. Interesting. Every time they play it, it's really they're uncomfortable because it's extremely uncomfortable. It is, but it like, is. consequently, after that, they're just like, well, this is not. The game, like you know, I signed up for it. A lot of people find it quite boring because of the fact that it's not you're not the one in danger, and that yeah. that's that triggered that realization for me.
0: Yeah,
2: that we play those games to put ourselves in danger, not other yeah, people. Yeah, Not
0: other people. That's mm. that's oh my god, that is like that's interesting that's as well. Stick cause with cause me forever. Like,
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it's interesting as well because people find it boring. It's like okay, so you've got some very important subtext here. You that do could yeah. start a very important conversation. And instead of being like, wow, this makes me think. It's like, oh, that's boring. It's like, what do you mean? (laughs) No, think. Think about these things. There's more to (laughs) it. It's not just like.
2: Yeah, Yeah, question it. You know, and they tend to be very good at doing that. Absolutely. There's many pleasures in teaching them. But it's one of the things that they do. But yes, exactly. Don't just move on to the next level and be like. Just wish someone would shoot at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but yeah, um, but I'm, I'm sorry if we veered off of. Censorship no, it's no, <laughs> fine.
0: This is great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that was fantastic. Yeah. Um Yeah. Oh my god. All right. So, <laughs> um, oh, I kind of feel like I, I want you to ask your question first because I think it, it attaches quite well to what we were just talking about. Okay. Yeah, can,
3: we can swap back to me then. Yeah. Uh, so my question is: one of the biggest reasons people often cite the issue of gaming is that it has an effect on people, especially children, making them more violent. What are your feelings on this? Uh, is there much evidence to actually back it up that it causes violence in people, especially kids? Because yeah. they always it's do always the kids. All, it, the kids
0: can't oh, play that game. That's thank not all good all for them. Children, won't you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Somebody think of the children. And look, here, the children. I get asked this a lot. I deal, I deal with adults primarily. Mm-hmm. I don't deal with kids, so I can't speak to kids on an expert level. Um, but I do get asked this a lot by parents, you know. Mm-hmm. the Questions are like, you know, um, will violent games affect my child? And also, how do I get them to come to dinner when they're
1: gaming? <laughs> yes, right. oh my God. <laughs> anyway,
2: the answer to the second one is set them a level limit and a finish limit, not a time limit.
0: Ooh,
1: right. I
2: like that. So, yeah. So, that's a very kind of, you know, yeah, when you finish that level, when you've saved the game, then we can, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer the first one is a more complicated. Okay. Um, excuse me. Um, so I I do strongly believe that, you know, children of a certain age should not be exposed to certain things, mm. you know. So, like, I, I think that definitely, you know, no cod for any child under the age of 13
1: to 15. Okay. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, no first person shooter. So that because like if we've got to understand where, you know, kind of their processing is at. There's so many different levels of development that are happening at young humans. You know, everything from the, you know, they think we're a hive mind phase, which is up until about three. I think we're the Borg, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then they start lying really terribly when they find out we're not. Um, adorable, but then everything from there is like stages of moral development as well as intellectual development. And when you find out about other people, and then there's puberty, which affects hormones, and you know, finding out about your place in the world, you know, that necessarily kind of like very narcissistic phase that they go through. But I don't. I do believe strongly in not really, but expo- or letting them engage interactively in screen violence until they're old enough to handle it, which I think is probably about between thirteen and fifteen. Although I am no expert on um, children or adolescents,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I will say that uh, I will say that. I also will say though that we are physical creatures and we are still animals, right? And um, children like to play <laughs> under yeah. the age of ten, and they like to play violently. So there's, you know, if <laughs> there's a very good chance that you know. They weren't playing video games. They'd be throwing rocks at each other. (laughs) True. Kids are fairly violent by nature, but in their own way, you know, that's about them exploring their boundaries and exploring everything of that nature. So, you know, that, those, that, that stuff is important, but you know, it's, I do believe it's much healthier to have them kind of, you know, probably playing games is really important. I can see how it's nurtured my students immensely. Mm. They're so good at grasping theory and thinking outside of the box and, it's, it's incredible, you know, very dedicated, very tenacious. <laughs> they will go with something until they get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it and it's wonderful, wonderful. Um, so I think video games can be incredibly good for for kids and especially with the way in which they develop now there's a lot of educational games too in which they can embody characters that can make them feel like kind of you know proud of themselves or work out who they are Mm -hmm. um that kind of thing but I do think that screen violence should probably be left to an an older age not necessarily because they'll act out because it's screen violence but because they will act out most things Mm. you know I think a really really good example is the way that Melbourne Zoo when it was renovated is set up okay the way it's set up is that outside there's certain animal closures that have play spaces attached to them in which we basically can pretend to be the animal, right? Sweet. And so I think they've noticed that, particularly the meerkats, yeah. <laughs> really very keen on them, the play space there is big, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, there's certain enclosures or there's certain kind of you know, uh, animal um, exhibitions that kids will get really, really excited about, and then you know, they'll go nuts and like run around the zoo and like inflict that upon the other animals. Right. So, you know, because they just are generally excited. Oh, yeah, yeah, All the places, there's about three stations outside of, you know, certain animals that, that really excite them that basically help them to have a cathartic experience to get yeah. that out, right? And I think that's a, a very, very good example of what you can be doing, you know, with children and that kind of that pent up energy and excitement that they have. Yep. You know, but I do, uh, so therefore, because they do tend to act out the things that they get excited about, yeah. right? Our play experience and testing our boundaries as humans and, you know, other people's boundaries, things like that. So um, so I would say probably they will make children act out, but there's a lot that makes children act out. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah.
0: true.
2: Yeah. In terms of whether they make us into aggressive humans, um, no, I just firmly don't believe they do, which is why I do the work that I do. Um, they don't turn us into, you know, it, it's very complicated. So the other side, like, because, like, my work is in technically in forensic psychology because you also have to know the back end of what does make someone do those,
1: things,
2: right? And that is of extreme fascination to me. So that's, like, that's really where my kind of intellectual fascination lies. Um, but, you know, um, But so, yeah, as I said before, like 0.1% of people who play these games generally, you know, maybe people that have, uh, you know, mental predisposition to acting out in that way, they are going to be attracted to these things. But it doesn't mean that the, you know, huge, huge, huge percentage of people who interact with it will. Um, Having said that, um, as I say to, to my third year students, if they had no effects at all, we wouldn't play them. Yeah, yeah, true Absolutely, Really, really, really hedonistic creatures mm-hmm. You know, what I say to my 30s is I'm like, if they had no effects at all We'd, you know, play them once And then go off and knit a jumper Or have sex or whatever it is Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah You know, uh, but having said that They don't have anywhere near as great You know, they, they have a, an effect of stimulation But that's, yeah. I believe that's about it
0: mm. Yeah yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. because yeah. I mean, for me, I I've told I've talked about it in the podcast before, but I've played a lot of violent games growing up. Like I played like GTA when I was like nine or something. But the thing is, though, and my always favorite little caveat to that is. I didn't really play it the way that everyone thinks you play GTA. I just used to like drive around and pretend I had a job and like stop at traffic lights and like I do that too. I yeah. still
3: do that sometimes when I'm just like running around. I'm like, no, I'm just gonna start Like I'd literally be like,
0: Okay, so I work at this grocery store, so I'm gonna drive Oh, it's morning. Oh, and I'd like walk outside and drive. <laughs>
2: Oh my god, yeah. I just dropped you in 89. <laughs> so
0: like, yeah, like that's how, and like other people are like, oh, these kids are just murdering strippers, and I'm just there, like, I'm driving to work. <laughs> You're playing Dole yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, that's effectively what I was doing Video <laughs> a yeah.
3: yeah, Sims. So basically, I was
0: playing The Sims
3: in GTA San yep. Andreas for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I get that too, right. though. I like <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, I've i never gotten around GTA. I tried playing GTA five yeah. many years ago mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't quite wrap my head around the controls. I didn't like it. I didn't know what it was. But right. I like I I finished like the first part of the first mission mm-hmm. and was like, put it down. I was like, no, nah, wow, not for me. Okay. Yeah, but there was also something about it that I didn't like doing. Like I get really bad guilt. I get really guilty. Like I've never been the person who drowns their sims or – You get there no, eventually. No. <laughs> But, like, you know, Everyone I've never done those kind of eventually. things, you know, and I don't know why, but to me it's just been like, no, I yeah, can't do yeah. that. I can't I can't kill the bunny,
2: you know, yeah. I, in
3: games. I, I'm very much like that, oh. but I understand that some people do and it's just mm. a difference. Mm. But um, when you mentioned as well the kids mimicking things, um, absolutely. I remember when Squid Game was a big thing. Oh, yeah. And parents were watching it or whatever. Uh, Kids would go out and play Squid Game. And, of course, they're not playing the initial game they played, but they'd play, you know, like, okay, you're shot now. You're dead. Like, they'd play out the show and it doesn't matter what it is, they're going to play those games. My nieces play YouTuber. You know, she pretends like there's a camera there and (laughs) she's like, hey, guys. Welcome to the channel. Today we're doing this. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Like they will mimic anything they Mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. So I absolutely agree that, yeah, there's certain games that kids should not be playing, but there's also an understanding that, you know, there's responsibility on the parents' part. They're going to do it anyway, but it doesn't necessarily Uh, – Oh, my God. But, yeah, they're not necessarily – it's not going to change the fact that they're not going to be – psychopaths i guess like just because of course
2: not mm. you know, I mean, that's the thing it's like, like so so for you know Kibby you were saying that you were playing GTA when you were nine and I'm sure that your parents are like keep me I that's just like, mm. she's, she's just going to work it's fine yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if, if my dad saw
0: me like murdering people on the street he would have been like you get off that game right now <laughs> so
2: yeah but like so you know exactly it's not gonna it's not gonna harm them in the in the long run in terms of like the fact that they're gonna go and act out this as adults mm. you know they'll get access but by the same token you know the, the reason I think that I kind of um have you know a, a personal issue I guess with them being exposed to it too young and like you're right they will go out and find it I just think it's up to parents perhaps not to buy cod for an eight-year-old Yeah. right um but it's more about their own kind of like development their own Mm. understanding of the concepts and of what they're doing and whether or not that's going to keep them up at night and Mm. you know going to freak them out and particularly as like all kinds of real world violence is happening as well and then reconciling those things Mm. so it's more about like the notion of uh psychological trauma than anything
3: Mm.
2: you know and and i think that they can experience that in that way
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah like you shouldn't be playing a game about war until you can understand what war is
2: Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. You know, so for me, hopefully in the next four years, it's been, you know, <laughs> I can't still understand. But, but yes, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That you know, it's um. you don't want to interfere with their development in that way.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So one thing I want to talk about is um, that So why do you think there are some rules that are harsher for games than film? So one area I find quite fascinating is drug use when it Mm. comes to games classification. Uh, I know a lot of games have been banned in Australia or were banned in Australia because of the drug use in the game, things like that, uh, making games change the the name of the drugs they're using. Uh, But then there are movies that will just very
3: blatantly show I'm smoking meth. Smoking <laughs> meth? <laughs> See, you can tell how much I know about drugs. And <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and it's sort of like
0: that, yeah. that, you know, and there are entire films whose entire concept is, like, glorifying drugs mm. in a way and showing how great they are and how much fun I'm having. Um, so, yeah, I guess I w- I'm not sure how much you have focused on drug use in games with classifications. But, yeah, what are, what are your feelings on that? Why do you think there's this double standard when it comes to games versus films?
2: So, first of all, I think, though, if we're talking about Australia, classification is very interesting. I've been to a classification board a couple of times, mm-hmm. as you probably know, like yes. one for a film, no, the other one for a okay. game. And um, classification is cultural as much as it is a legal standing. Yeah. So when we got the, you know, R18 class rating in Australia, I do think that was probably more of a um, concession rather than a victory. Yes. Right. Because you still have the people who are making and enforcing the laws still come from that culture. Right. And you need a culture really to change before a law will be changed in, in it being enacted. It doesn't mean you shouldn't change it. This will hurry it up, but it doesn't mean we're there yet. By mm-hmm. Right. Um so but in terms of uh, why we are, you know, tend to be more vigilant about uh, social taboos in um in video games, particularly as opposed to film, is I think it comes down to the theories of embodiment, right? So when we play video games, we embody a character. When we watch a film, we don't. So if you're to talk about, um, you know, if you came to me and you are like, I saw the latest Star Trek film and I did this and I did that and, you know, I commanded the Enterprise and uh, finally got to Indiana. (laughs) I'd be like,
1: did you...
0: (laughs) Yeah, no,
2: it's so true. <laughs> so if you came to me and you, you were talking to me about playing, like, you know, you know, Cold Cold War and you were yeah. like, oh, and then they did this and then they did that, but you were actually talking about, like, your character mm. or, you know, or she did this, she did that, like, mm. you know, talk about yourself, that would also be weird, right? Mm. Because I'm like, no, you were doing those things. You were the one directing that character and you were the yeah. one doing those things, like, you know, despite the um, kind of, like, uh, implicit sort of, uh, drives that, you know, games will give to players. Like you're still the one controlling that character, right? Um, So I think that that is probably the reason why. It is a much more um, uh, engaging medium in that way. And uh, the person who is playing the game is much more responsible for what that character is doing than we are with film, right? And so there's much more of a symbiosis between the person and the game. Having said that, I do believe the game change ship in this country definitely does does go too far, but again, like I said, it's a, it's a cultural thing rather than a you know, so um, than a uh, a thing of laws. Like in the US, I, I read a paper actually once comparing sort of um, so violence here, like, um, is seen as something which is very very taboo still, and mm-hmm. which is is getting better, uh, but sexuality not so much so. Very broad, very. Yeah. Right, and that's, that is a deeply like embedded cultural thing in the US, though with the whole pioneering tradition, very they're very open about you know uh, screen violence mm-hmm. over there, like fairly open. They'll show a lot of things on TV that we wouldn't hear, um, but sexuality very like still quite limited. Mm. So that's their taboo. So that's it. Really shows that it comes from a cultural kind of perspective, I think, um, and but that that's, those theories of embodiment, I think, really are why. You know Definitely. we're much more vigilant with those sort of things in video games and you know also why we have to be um you know vigilant at teaching up and coming game designers about you know uh learning to justify the things that they put in video games too.
1: Mm.
2: you know um not that i believe it should be centered but you know um sexuality and violence are very powerful things i do believe they belong there but you know use them with the power with which they they're afforded
3: mm. yep don't just kill things for a reason yeah
0: yeah um i was reading one of your um works and i found the you talked a little bit about the one of my favorite censorship situations which was south park and Mm. the stick of truth with the uh anal probing scene um and i found that so interesting i I find that whole game being banned so being censored so interesting um and the way that you talked about how um Obviously, we couldn't see it and we couldn't play that part in Australia, but they were able to very, very detailed, like, write exactly what happened. So we were still able to read it and imagine it, but we just couldn't do it. And I I found that so fascinating because it's like, I mean, if anything, that reading what what happened in that scene, because I then went and saw the scene, way worse, like way more graphic than the scene actually was, (laughs) you know? Uh, and I find that really, really, I find that such a fascinating point because it's, it's so true. Like, the, it's such an interesting thing of like, well, you're reading
3: it, so it's fine. But it's like, well, I'm still experiencing it, mm. though. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And well, like, we see all that stuff on South Park, and that's loud on the TV. Mm. You know, yeah. it wasn't that much different to the TV show. And that's okay. Mm. But yeah, because it's a game, yeah. no thank you. It was
2: a very popular show at the time. Mm. Very, yeah. Very popular. You know, and uh, yeah, it's um, in the game is was pretty funny. I think Christmas was one. with the lead writer on it. He's uh, he's, he's a very funny person. Yeah, and the, the game was hilarious. It was. But, yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's it, like I said, it's got more to do probably with those theories of, of embodiment and, mm. and the, you know, the idea that we are, you know, and, and also it was all every new technology brings a moral panic with it. And games, oh, it's it's new so game studies itself is only about twenty years old. Yeah, game is ten. Yeah. Right. So we're now just getting really the first generation of academics who actually have done undergrads in games. In
1: games,
0: mm. yeah. Right. But before this,
2: we like all our undergrads were very disparate areas.
0: Yeah. Mm. So true. Right. Do you want to end it off? Yes. Kick, kick, kick off the, kick, kick off the off. end. End it. Oh
3: yeah. Uh, finally, to bring it all home. <laughs> <End> it's now. Finally, to <laughs> to bring it all home, uh, to anyone listening right now that might want to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them?
1: Um,
2: I, I, I would just say look out for opportunities when they come up. Um, dedicate yourself to whatever it is that you're doing. Find meaning in every day and meaning in what you do, all right? Um, go and, and if you specifically want to get into games, join local, you know, gaming meetup groups. Developers are very, very welcoming, very welcoming. Um, and excellently creative and funny people. Um, Read, read games criticism as much as you can. Not game reviews, games criticism. Okay. So, you know, um, and there's there's a lot of it out there. Um, And that does not necessarily mean being, you know, (laughs) being horrible about games. It just means, you know, seeing past those layers of whether or not it's a good game to play. Uh, You know, um, take up a psych degree do a minor or a major in games with it. It's probably the most <laughs> straightforward advice that I can give. Yeah. Um, and feel free to reach out to me at any time. I'm happy to talk to, to people who, who want to take on, you know, the, the space between health and technology, particularly in video games, because there's so many good things we can do with them. Mm. That embodiment also, you know, has the other side of helping people experience what it might be like to have a certain accessibility issue right, or, uh, you know, help people who have accessibility issues to uh, be able to deal with them in a very constructive way. There's a lot of beauty out there in gaming and a lot of help that can be given too, you know, and um, also it's pretty fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that's such that's a fair cool. point, honestly, yeah. Yeah, um,
2: so, yeah, there's, there's many things they can do and I'm happy for, for anyone to reach out at any time if they want to, if they like to talk about it.
0: Mm, I think it's really cool because I think maybe there are some people like for me, I was like, I could never be a game dev. Like Mm -hmm. it's just not something I could, I could maybe be a writer, but I don't know if I could develop a game. And even then the game writing is so different than like novel writing, which is Mm -hmm. what I do. So it's like, uh, but to, like now to know that for people you know people who who are out there maybe thinking of what to study next year they're finishing school and they're like I'd love to get into games but I don't want to be a developer you know it's cool to know that there are other avenues and other ways for people to to keep gaming in their life and 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 pursue it in an academic or professional way you know
3: yeah.
2: Careers, so many in gaming mm, mm. in game development itself there's like loads of roles yeah, and loads of roles and then obviously yeah there's the intellectual kind of you know boundaries around it and um yeah it's it's a wonderful thing it's a burgeoning industry and mm. you know, I'll never forget that moment at age 10 when I had that realization but never figured I'd end up here yeah mm.
0: that's Aww. awesome <laughs> that's so
3: nice how can people find you if they did want to reach out and
2: yeah, have we'll read more of your
3: work,
0: yeah. things like that. Plug I love- yourself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, uh, it's best to like if honestly Google just Laura M Crawford, mm-hmm. right? So make sure you put the M in there because. Some frequent of Palestine, but my parents gave me the world's most Scottish name, which is lovely, <laughs> but it's pretty common. So I had to put, like, my middle initial in there for publishing. Mm-hmm. And there's a Laura Crawford who's, like, this incredible paediatric biologist, and she oh. just out of the park she's, she's <laughs> telling me with my citation and are, so i've got the m in there so if you google Laura M crawford and gaming or laura m crawford and swinburne a lot of stuff will come up okay. um i'm on linkedin i'm on instagram i'm on twitter but i don't use it as much um and they can always write to me and you know at at swinburne you know so if they really to get in contact very much have a chat it's uh Laura Crawford or one word at swin.edu.au. And I'm very happy for them to have them write to me and um, i you know, I'm very happy to have a chat with them further.
0: Awesome. Lovely, that's very sweet of you. Yeah. So yeah, anyone listening who wants to wants to learn more? You know where to go. Reach out. No excuses. You can do it. Woo, we believe in you. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> um so watch other people do as well, Keely, before they leave today.
3: Uh, rate the podcast. Rate the podcast five or ten stars, five whatever stars or
0: ten or as many
3: stars as you can. Share it, the podcast with oh, someone yeah. you know
0: because it helps people find it and more people will listen and more people will learn and, and hear and get more cool people on. Yeah, get amazing people like Laura to come join us. Yeah. So yeah, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us. Thank we you. Really appreciate your time. And good- goodbye, everyone. Bye and I will stop recording.